Welcome to Zestful Aging, where I interview inspiring and fascinating women who talk about their projects as well as their own lives as evolving women. I'm your host, Nicole Christina. And if you like the podcast, you'll love my newly updated companion online course, Zestful Aging, Simple and Sustainable Habits for Health and Longevity. Learn more at NicoleChristina.com. Well, I have my coffee in my hand and my little Jack Russell Sparky right beside me. So let's begin. Today we're talking to Hillary Henderson, who planned to retire at 65. Instead, she found herself unexpectedly walking out of her last job the day before she turned 60. Using her training as an occupational therapist, a life coach, and earning an MBA, she reinvented herself as a retirement coach, and she helps clients navigate one of the most important transitions of their lives. She helps them answer big questions like, what will be your structure and purpose once the honeymoon phase of retirement has worn off? And where would you like to be living when you start to become frail? And how do you plan to turn your carefully saved pension into a sustainable income? And what are you doing now to remain as healthy as long as possible? These are such important questions. Welcome to the show, Hillary. Hi, Nicole. Thank you for having me on your show. These are such big questions, and I'm wondering what your experience is with clients and if, if you're finding it, it hard for them to wrap their minds around some of these big, big questions. Definitely, Nicole. I, um, I've been practicing as a retirement coach for three years. I find it very difficult to get clients, and I, I'm putting out a theory out there that most of them are playing what we call ostrich. They're putting their heads in the sand and hoping that retirement will go away if I don't look at it. Um, the statistics point to the fact that people spend less time planning for retirement than they do for a two-week holiday abroad. That mm. is very scary because it is a very major to, um, transition We've worked for something like 40 years. We've had structure, we've had routine, we've had an identity in the workplace. We've had purpose by getting up every morning, setting the alarm clock, getting up, going to work, coming home, fighting traffic, doing whatever we do best. And suddenly the corporation says they no longer need us and we're left. And when I walked out as, I, as you said, before my 60th birthday, I think for me the hardest was to realize that I probably have another 30 years to live. Mm. Um, I have quite mm -hmm. a few relatives so, who lived into their so, 90s. So the, the idea is here that things have really changed now that our lifespans have increased, that the whole the whole plan of retiring at 65 doesn't really make sense anymore. It, it certainly does not fit into the 21st century because so few of us can afford financially to retire. 
And those that can afford financially to retire actually don't want to retire. They're active people. They need purpose. They need meaning. So I'm currently writing a second book, um, very much looking at how do we broaden the definition of work? Because the work doesn't necessarily only have to be for a salary, it, for an income. It can be for a sense of reward that's different. So very, very few of us in that broader definition of work, of work want to stop working at 65. Mm -hmm. I see. So it's just turning this whole uh, expectation really on its head. Um, and, and, and opening up, I guess, some wonderful opportunities, but something that has to be planned for. You don't just kind of waltz into <laughs> post-retirement. No, no. I mean, the, the first thing that happens, if you have had a successful working career, you have an identity that's totally wrapped up in that job, in that mm -hmm. status, whatever your position you hold. And if you are retired by the corporation, the very next day you become what's known as a pensioner. It's very different from being a managing director or a CEO or a marketing director or head of this department or head of that department. Mm -hmm. uh, and so there's loss. The, 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 there's a, a huge amount of loss. I've, I've looked at Kubler-Ross's stages, five stages of grief. And retirement actually fits very neatly. My retirement fitted very neatly into those five stages of grief that Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, um, you know, the bargaining and the anger and, and eventually coming to an acceptance. For a lot of people, mm. that, is, that is a very real phenomenon. And I'm wondering if it's made more complicated from the fact that retirement is painted as this happy time where you're just playing golf and tennis and drinking, you know, gin and tonics by the beach or something. But it sounds like the reality for some people is quite different. Sure. Can you imagine yourself drinking gin and tonic by the beach for 365 days a year? <laughs> It's lovely. No, I can't. It's, it's, it's absolutely wonderful for a three-week vacation. And so we romanticize it. Um, twice now, when I walked out of the job at 60, and previously when I sold on a business that I ran myself, I took time off. And I know for me, as a type A personality, I last about six weeks. And then I'm bored out of my mind. I need to find structure and purpose. Some people may manage to stretch it out for three months. But for me, it's about six weeks. Mm -hmm. So how do you help people find structure and purpose when the rug maybe feels like it's been pulled out from under them in terms of this identity question? So here you are, you're no longer a blank, a manager or a supervisor or a whatever. And, and now what? How do you help people kind of recreate or discover or, you know, what's the first step here going about helping people navigate their brand new world? For me, I, I go back to Stephen Covey's work on seven habits for effective managers. And he, in the first chapter, he talks about the paradigm shift in how we perceive things. 
And for me, what is really important is for 40 years, you've worked to create income, to have enough money to, to educate the kids, to buy the house, to buy the car, to go on vacations and to put some money aside for retirement. But when you reach 65, you start working to supplement retirement income. And for me, that was a major perceptual shift. Because as soon as you look at work to supplement income, you then, there's so many more opportunities. There's so much more flexibility. An example is that you work out that your lifestyle costs you, say, $5,000 a month. And your retirement benefits come to 3000 So now you really only need to work to, to bring in 2000 to maintain your lifestyle. And so there's a completely different shift. So now the $2,000 that I need to bring in, if I work in my old profession, maybe I only need to work 10 hours a week to make that $2,000. Mm -hmm. Or... I can stretch, I can work for much less money per hour and make it for 20 or 30 hours, but I might be doing something much more fulfilling, like working for a non-profit or something like that. Mm -hmm. So it's a whole, it's a very different way that you need to proceed. So that's what I clarify first for people. I then work with a, a very useful model that I found online called Ikigai. It's a, it's a Japanese concept, and we find our purpose by working, yeah, there are four quadrants. You need to work at something you really enjoy doing. Mm -hmm. It also has to be something you're good at. Mm -hmm. It also has to be something that the world needs, mm -hmm. and preferably you are rewarded in some form. Um, mm -hmm. So... Uh, the Ikigai model says you're paid for it. But in mm -hmm. retirement, I, I, I broaden that concept that there needs to be some form of reward. It can be simply satisfaction of volunteering or mentoring or something like that. So it's mm -hmm. a broader concept. And I help people find what it is in their lives that brings those four things in. Because where those four meet is what is your purpose. Mm -hmm. that gives your life meaning and purpose. And are those app opportunities, do you feel like they're out there for people once they find their icky guy? Do you feel like, okay, now I know what it is. Are, are they available or, uh, or do people sort of struggle to find uh, this happy uh, uh, combination? Most of the people I've coached have had something that they want to do that's not necessary full time. An example was a woman who was working in the civil service as a nurse. She was in charge of a no smoking program um, for the city of Cape Town. And when we got working together, she suddenly realized that she had an awful lot of skills that she could offer at one of the local universities in the training program for nurses. So it was a matter of a couple of hours a week that was going to give her structure and was going mm -hmm. to bring in a little bit of much needed income. 
So through the coaching process, we have an opportunity to look for different options. Mm-hmm. Um, and for some, it may come by going back on a contractual basis to your previous work. For others, it may be starting a small business on the side for yourself. Um, and some of it may be looking in your local community. Is there anything I can do in my community that's rewarding mm-hmm. in, in, in some way? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's all about, as I said, changing the way you look at things. It's that paradigm shift that's so important. And in your community um, and in South Africa in general, are people talking about this um, in the news and, you know, through media and all? Or is this still a little bit of a new concept? It's a very new concept in South Africa, which is why I tend to go online to blog internationally, because I find the U.S. is much more further down the line in terms of thinking of getting ready for retirement than we are here in South mm-hmm. Africa. Mm-hmm. We, we, have, we have a vast amount of, of very poor people, and so retirement doesn't actually come into the vocabulary. They, they're going to have to work for as long as they possibly can. Mm-hmm. So I it's see. very much a middle-class concept in, in my country here, middle and upper-class con- um, concept. I see. And one of the questions I know that you you talk to your clients about is how do you plan to stay healthy for as long as possible? What are the kinds of things that, um, you know, you're you're suggesting or guiding your clients in that in that realm? Uh, Number one is physical fitness. So many people while they're working have a really good excuse as to why they can't keep themselves fit and healthy. Mm. Um, And and perhaps losing some weight because there are people who are, they they fob it off as being in a middle age spread. So I advocate an exercise program. I'm not a a fitness coach by any manner of means, but I try and help people structure something into their lives. I know I go to a local gym where there is an, a huge emphasis on social amongst the retirees. Um, those mm. of us who, who go to gym during the day, most of us are retired. So there's a coffee shop and people gather and the classes that I go to tend to be quite social and people become friends. So that is another thing. Um, in Cape Town, we have wonderful opportunities for walking. Um, Mm. in forests and on our mountains and hiking. So, you know, I try and get people interested. And then I also advocate um, activities that will keep your brain stimulated and keep your brain active. In fact, I was talking to a friend this morning. I swear that my mother was lucid till the day she died, more or less, because she played bridge three or four times a week. And so Mm. there are a lot of things one can get involved in that will stimulate, you know, they're crossword puzzles, there's sudokus, whatever you, however you pronounce them in the States. There are plenty Mm -hmm. of things one can do, reading, and there are courses that one can do online. I mean, there is just so much to choose from now in Mm -hmm. terms of the internet that there's plenty for people to do to keep their brains going. Um, And then if, if they're worried about their health, then they must have regular medical checks. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I did go Let's to a see. talk. I, I did go to a talk once, and it made a lot of sense to me. The doctor was saying, 
that heart attacks and things like that, they're known as silent killers because we don't see them on the surface. But the doctor or general practitioner can pick it up if you have an annual checkup because he will see the slow deterioration through the blood pressure or the cholesterol level or whatever it is. So it is important to do your annual checkups mm-hmm. um, as you grow older, having your bone density measured, those kinds of things that you can look after your health. Because medical mm-hmm. treatment mm-hmm. is so expensive, you want to keep yourself healthy for as long as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, you know, it's interesting that you say that because many people talk about, you know, and I do too, you know, what keeps you healthy, what keeps you well, here's the research, all of that. But, you know, we don't necessarily say because it's really expensive to get sick, but it that's is. a reality. Yeah. The other thing that I, that I do punch quite a lot is last year I discovered the blue zones. I don't know if you've heard of the blue zones. Yes. It was a study of centenarians. And the first, um, so they, they, they studied five pockets of people around the world who've lived to 100. And the first thing they all said is that they exercise naturally. They don't, go, they don't sign up for a gym. They live in doubles, they live in houses on two stories, so they have to climb stairs. They mm-hmm. ride bicycles to tend their vegetables the vegetable patches they mm-hmm. walk wherever they need to do and it's a large part of it is is eating healthily and they also interesting enough that this group in the blue zone said you only eat 80 percent of the food on your plate and you drink alcohol in moderation and they tend to go to a predominantly plant-based diet they eat meat mm-hmm. but not a lot of meat Mm-hmm, and these mm-hmm. are things that we can all bear in mind. They're not that difficult to implement. And they certainly mm-hmm. don't cost anything to implement if you're on a mm-hmm. tight budget. Right. Yeah, I love what you said about exercising naturally. Um, I talk about that a lot. And this idea is that it shouldn't be a punishment for eating or something to to tick off of your to-do list. Um, You know, if you're hiking in the in the woods, you're getting so many different benefits than, um, uh, you know, there's immune function benefits, there's, you know, all kinds of good stuff. And and I think you're right to incorporate it naturally. So it doesn't seem like it's another job. You're your body likes to move. It's happy doing mm, that. Mm. And I, I'm helped along by the fact that I have two canine children who insist on doing it daily. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So do you talk to groups of people about retirement? Is that one of the parts of your business? That is my dream. I'm still trying to work out. And ideally, I need to get into the corporations. But I haven't found the little chink that I can widen to get in there. So I'm still, mm-hmm. still, still dreaming that that is where I would like to be. Yeah, you know, it, it's, it's a tough paradox here because you have, it's vital information. It's really, it, it's life transforming information. Yet mm. I can realize, I like this this, I, this metaphor of the ostrich that nobody wants to think about getting older. No. 
You're, so um, you're up against this denial because, of course, as we get older, we know what comes at the end of that story. Mm, mm. And unfortunately, the word retirement has connotations of old age. Mm, mm -hmm. um, I've been looking for an alternative, but I haven't found one. Um, because as soon as you say retirement to someone, they picture a little old person with a cane or a Zimmer frame, you know, mm -hmm. with, with their bag of tablets and they're, they're old. And that's mm -hmm. not it. I'm, I'm 64 now and I don't see myself as old. Mm -hmm. I, I walk in the mountains in the evening for an hour and I keep my pace with a 35-year-old quite happily. I don't see mm -hmm. myself as old. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, I was going to ask you about this idea of do people, when they come to you, you know, are they talking about uh, anticipating their death? Is that something that comes into the conversation of, well, we all know what's next after we talk about my uh, retirement? Is that something that you also have to navigate with them or do you stay more focused on um, here while you're uh, thinking about how to find purpose and meaning and yeah. exercise and yeah. Because of the resistance to coaching, I've, I've built myself a package of four sessions. So in the four sessions, we don't get down to the spiritual level. I leave it open if they want to continue. But, um, oh, there was something wise I was going to say. What was it? It's... Oh, I know what I was going to say, is we tend to spend more time dealing with an older parent who's getting closer to dying than mm -hmm. I do with them dealing with themselves. Because, you know, I, so many of us boomers are becoming part of the sandwich, sandwich generation where the boomers are looking after an older parent or parents, be it two of them, and mm -hmm. they still have the children living at home. Mm -hmm. um, and so we t I haven't tended to deal with perhaps a slowly dementing parent who's making it difficult for, the, for my client to retire or needs some advice on how to manage that. So I've not yet dealt with anyone looking at their own termin termination mm -hmm. because at mm -hmm. 60, 65, I'm, I'm not certainly not thinking about that. Um, my parents died in their 80s and 90s, so I'm, mm. I'm certainly not, I'm aware of aging, but I'm not, not thinking about the end of my life yet at all. Did your parents do uh, a lot of the things that you recommend now uh, to age so well, or did they just get lucky with their genetics? Partly genetics. Um, they kept very active. As I say, they, my, my parents were farmers, but they handed the farm on to my brother when they were in their, but they were about 60, early 60s. And then they moved into the city and my mother took up bridge and became very active socially. Mm -hmm. And my, my father discovered the computer at about 58. And so he was completely stimulated by his computer. He loved it to the day he almost to the day he died. Mm -hmm. he, what he did was, he do? What was he doing on it? He, he wrote little programs. He tried. To, they were terribly complicated. It was in the day of Lotus 
Oh, um, my wrote, goodness. He wrote yeah. some for me for my business, which I couldn't use. He wrote some for my brother <laughs> on the farm, which he couldn't use. So, and he sort of computerized my mother's banking accounts, which she hated, um, and took her checkbook and put it on notice. Um, so there, there were a lot of things that he played around with on his computer, which kept him mentally agile as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you think about your dogs and their contribution to your good health? Oh, invaluable. (laughs) Invaluable. I am am what you Americans call an elder orphan. I never married. I don't have children. So my dogs are my children and they they keep me company. They're someone I can talk to. Mm -hmm. And for me, the biggest benefit is they drag me out Every mm-hmm. single day to go walking, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. come rain it's or shine. Mm. Yes, I, I really appreciate that because in upstate New York, there's a lot of freezing rain. We're close yes. to Canada and okay, it is yes. the weather is fierce. And you're absolutely right. There's nothing that would make me want to go out in that weather no. um, unless I had to run my dogs. Yes. Absolutely, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. They they are superb, superb company. And that's one of the problems with institutionalizing old people is it's actually very interesting how the Western civilizations have decided to put old people into institutions rather than revere their wisdom and keep them in the tribe and in the family like with your um, indigenous tribes. And for me, one of the, the saddest things is so many institutions won't take the pets or mm-hmm. won't have pets. Mm-hmm. My, my last job was actually with an animal shelter um, mm. that, that I crossed swords with. And my dream was to take all these cats that were up for adoption that were not kittens. But, and an adult cat is quite difficult to adopt. Everyone wants a kitten. And I thought, I'm mm-hmm. going to go, go around Cape Town and tell every single old age home they have to take a cat. Because a cat's not major management and it loves lying mm-hmm. on, on beds and on laps and things. But mm-hmm. I, didn't, I didn't manage, unfortunately, to achieve that before I left. You know, I um, interviewed a woman I think you would be very uh, simpatico with. Her name is Ardra Cole, and she runs a program in Canada called Elder Dog Canada. And the whole point of this program is keeping seniors with their senior dogs. So when, if, if seniors have to move out of their housing, it's a program that supports keeping the dog with them in the facility and also providing um, resources if they uh, can't afford vet bills or, yes. you know, so on and so forth with the idea that this sometimes is the strongest connection and friend that this human has. And the last thing you want to do is say, I'm sorry, you have to move and your dog has to, your dog has to go. It's devastating. It is. It's absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, is there anything you'd like to uh, share with our listeners in terms of some of the first small, less painful steps in thinking about 
uh, their the end of their work life as they know it, or I guess we could call it retirement. What are the first little steps that may not be so overwhelming for them? I think what springs to mind is I, I found the work of a gerontologist in the U.S. called Robert Ashley, and he says that there are six stages to retirement, and they seem to have quite a lot of meaning for me. The first is the preparation, the planning stage. And then on the day that you leave work, there are three avenues. The first avenue is honeymoon. I am going to go on holiday. I'm going to do everything on my bucket list and I'm going to really enjoy and I'm going to clean the garden shed and I'm going to tidy up my office and I'm going to fix the roof that's leaking and do all the job. <laughs> the second one is I'm exhausted. I've worked for 40 years. I'm going to relax and I'm going to do nothing. I might read books. Uh, mm. I might do some gentle walking, etc. And then the mm -hmm. third is the person who's done a lot of preparation and has a business or a job, part-time job or something ready wanting, that they want to fly with. So they, they start that from the first day. So that period is variable. For some, it's a week or two. For some, it may be six months. Quite a few people I've coached have said, I just want to take six months off to recover and then I will start. Mm -hmm. And following that, um, actually talks about of a stage of disenchantment. And if you've done adequate planning, that may be simply one evening and you sit on the, on the sofa and you say, gosh, I'm retired and I'm getting old. And you move on. But for the person who's done no planning, that disenchantment can spiral into lack of purpose lacks of mm -hmm. meaning, and eventually end up as a depression. Mm -hmm. And that is in the back of my mind of pushing people into saying, your life has to have some kind of meaning. So what is it that's going to get you out of bed in the morning once you do, when you don't have a job to go to? Mm -hmm. And then the, the next stage actually says is when you come out of disenchantment, you start organizing your, your retirement lifestyle until the day that you end retirement, which is the day you become old. And that's the day where your life starts to focus on mobility, on remembering things. Um, and it becomes a very small world focusing on your health and getting through each day, which is actually old age. Mm -hmm. And so for me, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I focus on this, fa this phase of disenchantment because the years that I did work in psychiatry, I know that lack of purpose, lack of direction, mm -hmm. lack of meaning can so easily become a depression. Mm -hmm. And that's what I, I try and get people to understand that they, they need to avoid that. I imagine your experience working in psychiatric hospitals really helps you understand, you know, when things go wrong, how, how things can go wrong. And I imagine that would be very, uh, a very good background for you to, because these are such existential and difficult questions. Yeah. You're really dealing with someone's 
core. And I, 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 I'm just thinking as someone in the mental health field, that that would, that would bring a real richness to how you see people and what can, what can go wrong. And where, you know, I, I draw on my occupational, I've been out of occupational, 30, occupational therapy for 30 years. Um, but I'm, I'm, that was my basic training. And so I still think like an occupational therapist. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I find the thing that comes to the fore, first and foremost, is occupational therapy is all about quality of life rather than quantity. Mm -hmm. And... Um, that is what it, foremost when I work with a client is saying, you know, it's fine. You can drift into retirement. You'll be on holiday. Maybe you'll have a bucket list. Maybe you'll have money to travel, but maybe you won't have money to travel. So how are you going to find that quality of life? And mm -hmm. that purpose is mm -hmm. at the core of that quality. And the other, the other two words that have been creeping in in the last six months for me is relevance and mm -hmm. meaning. And, and meaning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Does your life have meaning? We can be busy for busyness sake. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm very good at that. <laughs> um, I can have lots of activities and then I get to the end of it and I realize, no, this hasn't really had meaning for me. Mm -hmm. um, and because it, it did not fit in with my purpose, mm -hmm. um, so those all of those three have to come, and then you go back to the model of ikigai. If the world doesn't need it, and you're not rewarded by it, it has no meaning. You can mm -hmm. be very good at it, yeah. and you can love doing it, but if you don't have four all four quadrants and um, circles in the ikigai model. Um, and Ikigai is easy. If people are not familiar with it, you just Google I-K-I-G-A-I. -I and there's some lovely mm -hmm. videos and some lovely articles and diagrams on, mm -hmm. on, the, on the internet. Have you written about that as a one of your blogs for I have, 60 I a, and Me? Yes, I've, yeah. done one, I've done one on that. Um, yes, last year I did mm -hmm. one on Ikigai. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, and people can find you, um, and that's something we share in common, that we yes. both are bloggers for 60 yeah. and me. Where else can people find you, Hillary? I blog fortnightly on my own website. Mm -hmm. um, my website is New Horizons, so mm -hmm. N-U-H-O-R-I-Z-O-N-S mm -hmm. dot C-O dot z a mm -hmm. um, and people can actually sign up for my weekly blog and it will come to your email the sign up page mm. is on the home page but I, mm -hmm. i'm putting out a, a 500 word blog on a fortnightly basis but on another concept that i put onto um 60 and me that margaret particularly liked was the the concept of intangible assets your, mm -hmm. your, your tangible assets are your home and your capital goods and your money laid by. But your intangible assets are things like your health, mm -hmm. your social network. Um, mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people do have quite a lot of friends tied up with their work. Um, and when they retire, they don't have enough friends. You've also, for 40 years, 
had sufficient friends for maybe one or two evenings during the week and the weekends. Now you need now you need friends for seven days a week. So you do need to increase your social circle with people who are available on a Tuesday morning or a Wednesday lunch time. Um, so it's looking at your friendships and then looking at your skills. What is your skills base? Um, I can't remember the others, but it, it was it was a I enjoyed writing that article. Now I was on your website and don't you have a, a free download? Don't you have a, a, a book that you share with your uh, your readers? I, I have a book. Um, mm -hmm. I, I wrote it when I first became a retirement coach and I was not very confident. And so I wrote it specifically for the South African market. Okay. But, but as of the moment, I'm editing it to make it international and it will go onto Amazon as a... a um, sort of $2.99 or $3.99 book, hopefully by the end of August or during September. So mm -hmm. if people would like to be part of my news, if they sign up for my newsletter, they will hear because it will probably be free for the first week. So people mm -hmm. are interested in that. Um, mm -hmm. And then, then my second book currently has a title called Retire, Heck No!, Mm-hmm. Debunking the myth that retirement is about stopping work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, I'm hoping I have it up on Amazon by the end of the year. You're a busy woman. And, uh, well, one has to be, and partly mm -hmm. because I don't like not being busy, but, mm -hmm. you know, one has to keep one's head around things and keep current and keep my brain stimulated. Mm -hmm. Well, I really appreciate your uh, your wisdom and your advice for our listeners. And, and just to recap, it sounds like the first thing is to just even practice thinking about what is this going to look like? What are what are the things I want to uh, kind of uh, focus on and emphasize? And what are the things that maybe fall away aren't so important, but that the more time you plan, the better this will go? Absolutely. That's my theory, I think. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, okay. I, I mean, I have a couple of stories to tell of people who died within two years of retiring because they simply had nothing. It was a blank void. And there wasn't mm -hmm. much to live for. So um, I think it's very, very important. And if you stand a chance of living for 30 years post-65, mm. and 50% of us have, a, have that chance these days. Mm -hmm. The statistics say that 50% of us will live into our 90s and maybe, mm -hmm. a, maybe 100. And that's, you need to know, you need to have some kind of meaning for your life to do that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm. That's, uh, that's, it's, it's just phenomenally important. There's a documentary called um, Coming of Age in Aging America, and okay. it talks just about this, um, saying, you know, everything we've known and, and kind of assumed and depended on, that's all done. This is, yes. you know, it's a it's a whole new world out here, and it, it it's no longer makes sense. It's no longer accurate. It's no longer relevant. So let's start thinking about how to rework this. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for your time. It was a pleasure speaking with you, and I and I hope that you're able to get your books uh, done before the deadline and yeah. um, with your dogs at your feet. I imagine. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yes. Yes. It, thank it, you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I say that they're champing at the bit at the moment because this is normally the time of day that we go walking, so they're waiting very patiently. Yeah, they're wondering what's going on. Mm -hmm. Nicole, thank you very much for me because I've really enjoyed speaking to you and I look forward to hearing from some of your listeners. Excellent. Have a, have a lovely walk. Will do, will do. Bye-bye. Thanks, Nicole. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us on Zestful Aging. If you like the podcast, please share with some of your friends. I love to hear from my listeners. Send me an email at nicolechristina.com. And please consider becoming a patron of the show. You will get access to exclusive bonuses and you will be part of the Zestful Aging community. Keep us going strong. Go to patreon.com slash zestful aging. See you next time for another episode of Zestful Aging.